the comm here earlier, Carl and Joey and myself and others trying to figure out the internet and um, so forth. I'm, I'm one of those that I'm locked in to fixing the problem until service starts. And then once service starts, I don't care, right? Because then my focus becomes on what God is doing in this place. And, and TJ called us to that um, when he opened this morning, called us away from the chaos uh, and the confusion. When, we, when I got here yesterday, because I, um, I had book problems yesterday morning. Those of you who don't know, book is uh, Luke and Courtney's dog. Uh, they're on vacation, so Sam and I have been taking care of it this week. And I had complete chaos with, with him yesterday, and then um, Haley starts texting me, and she's got complete chaos going on. And I get here, and there's complete chaos going on, and I'm just like, wait, stop. Carl, pray. Right? And, um, and in that moment, when we chose to stop, be still, and wait on the Lord... God begins to work. And immediately the smiles and immediately the laughter and immediately the picking on each other and joking each other around. By the way, don't the knights look really good on the castle? Yep, yep. Great, great idea. Great idea about the knights. Yeah, everyone. Knights, knights, yeah. Woo! And the dragons look good too, right? Yep. So um, I won't tell you how dizzy I was uh, blowing these up. Duran didn't seem to have a problem, and that's the difference between being fat and being fit, right? <laughs> so, um, but no, we're thankful that all of it came together for the glory of the Lord. We have found the problem with the internet, so we're thankful for that, and it just means a trip to Walmart and buy a modem after service and, and solve that issue. So God is able, and when I say all of that to say this, and I want the kids out here for it because they're kind of like, why are we still here for this? But I want the kids to hear this. There's nothing bigger than the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Whatever is delivered to our lap, whatever is put in our mind, whatever is um, put in our lives, there's nothing bigger than Jesus. And if we live our life that way, if we set our minds that way, and we put our affections on Him, then He comes through. Amen? Because a lot of times, us grabbing hold of it, we just make a bigger mess, right? And sometimes we just need to wait on the Lord, be still, and wait on the Lord and, and let Him move. And, and so we're thankful for all that He does, and I just felt that it was important to kind of share this, because you come in, you see the dragons, you see this and that and the other, and you don't necessarily see the chaos that, that, that started. And, and Satan has been attacking our Bible school. I won't go into a million different stories. He's been attacking our Bible school. He's been trying to keep things from happening. We ordered a bunch of stuff from Answers, the people who do the Bible school. None of it came. They didn't respond to emails. They didn't respond to phone calls. They didn't respond to any of the things that we tried to do to fix the problem. But then there were churches that different ones of us have friends at who were doing the same Bible school who said, oh, here, you can have our stuff, oh, here, and, and pass it on to us. And we now have a church in Boone County asking for help that when we're done, we will take everything down well and pass to them because of the blessing that was given to us. So this is how God works. And it's on a level that when we try to handle it and manipulate it in the flesh, we don't always see and we don't always understand. And kids, understand this, right? You're in the time of your life right now. 
And the days coming are the days when you are going to need to rely on Jesus in an extreme level. And so you do need to armor up and you do need to find your strength in the Lord. And VBS does matter. So we encourage you to be here. We encourage you to get your friends here and let's lift up the name of Jesus um, this week. We'll, we'll suffer through the tired nights and, and all of those things, right? The kids need this in their life. So we're thankful for that. All right, you ready? You're already on the ramp, man. You have not learned this long how this thing works. One, two, three, go. (laughs) Gospel Quest, go. That also means our our nursery is uh, is up there for anyone that needs it um, as well. So... I'm always someone that I, I pay really close attention to, to what God is doing for a service and in a service. And um, I, I made the comment to Becky uh, when we were dealing with all the chaos up there. I said, you know, the enemy knew that this was one of those messages that could go like 500 different ways. And so he's doing his best to distract me. But what he doesn't understand is I've already given it to God. So what God wants to come is going to come in spite of his efforts, amen? Um, and, and that's why I don't, believe in, uh, I, I don't believe in shotgunning this, right? The preparation for this happened a long time ago. It didn't happen three days ago, or it didn't happen last night, or it didn't happen at the last minute this morning. The preparation hand, happened weeks ago. And God has kept adding to it and taking away from it during that process. But, but what we need to understand is when we bring ourselves fully to God and we give him plenty of time to work, then we don't need to sweat the last minute stuff. We sweat the last minute stuff because we're not prepared. Oh, don't get quiet yet. We got a long way to go this morning, right? We sweat, we sweat stuff We worry about stuff, we fret about stuff, we freak out about stuff because we're not prepared. I freaked out about the internet this morning, running cables and trying to figure out everything else. Why? Because I wasn't prepared for that, right? The message I never lost confidence in because I was prepared and I knew Jesus would do what I couldn't do, right? Fully trusting in that. So with that, I pay attention. You know, Grant gets up. Uh, and he speaks into something very parallel to, to something I might share this morning. And, and TJ having the wherewithal to realize, oh, someone, someone needs to share something that, that's needed for the service. And so he does that. The, the group coming in, and I'm, I'm not one of those pastors, and I, I find out more and more that more and more pastors approve their worship set. I don't think I've ever done that. All right, I trust these guys to, to spend their time with the Lord and, and to seek the Lord and, and, and to do what God lays on their heart, and I trust God to work that all together and, and everything. So I've, I've never really been that involved in them. And this morning, uh, the last song that, uh, uh, that Annie sang, talking about bringing us into the presence and the holiness of, of God and, and just taking a step back and, and not coming to him like our Santa Claus with our wish list, but just coming to him because he's holy, holy, holy. Amen? And then uh, they practiced it this morning. I, I think they're singing it for altar call, but the heart of worship. Um, and I, I was sharing with Becky, and I said, did you ever hear the, the background of this song? And I've shared this a few times, but it was, um, I think it was Matt Redman, 
or, or one of them, that, that wrote this. And he was literally on stage, and, and he saw people jumping, and, and not this song, but other songs. He saw people jumping, and he saw people doing everything else, and he took a step back while on stage and was just like, this isn't worship. This isn't worship. And, and he took a step back, and, and he consulted pastors, and it was like a day later, he hadn't hardly slept because he was just convicted by this and, and overwhelmed with this, and he ended up writing this song, and, and he said, I thought I was just writing something to God. I never knew it would turn into a song, and, and, and for those of you that remember, back in the day, it was a huge song. I mean, it, it swept through the hearts of churches and, and everything else, but it was essentially him writing an apology to God that, man, I've... I've missed it. I've, I have messed it, and I'm coming back to the heart of worship. So when we look at John chapter 12, you think, man, that's a huge prologue, Jay. But the reality is when we, when we look at John chapter 12, right, we have this huge moment, this huge moment with the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and this huge moment where the Jews say, we've got to do something about this, right? They're no longer just following him around and, and kind of keeping an eye on it. But they've come to this place now where they are absolutely, positively convinced that they have to do something about Jesus. Because otherwise, as we shared last week, otherwise Jesus will destroy all that they were doing, all that they had built all that they had created, amen, and ain't nobody going to mess up what we've built, right? That was their mindset, amen? They were in control of religion as we know it, and they weren't going to allow someone, no matter how holy and how close to God he was, they weren't going to allow someone to step in and ruin it. You with me? This was their mindset. This was their heart. So the game changed, at that moment in history. At that moment in history, the game changed. So now it's not just about controlling Christ and controlling his followers. Now it is about killing him. And in that moment, we start to see a distinct change in his followers and in his attackers, if you will. We start to see the passion on both sides growing. We start to see those who are afraid of him, amen, who are confused by him in their own heart, not by him, but confused in themselves because they know what they want and it doesn't line up with what he wants, amen. Those who are on the, the enemy side of Jesus, right, we start to see their passion and anger against him boil, it's not just an inconvenience anymore. It's a problem, right? But what we see in, in the followers is we see the followers starting to take those extra steps. We see those followers starting to go the extra mile. We see those followers endearing themselves to him at extreme levels because they realize they realize what he's going through. They realize what's happening. They might not fully understand that he's going to die on a cross, and they might not fully understand that he's not here to defeat Rome. Amen? Matter of fact, Jesus doesn't even care about Rome. When questioned about taxes and everything else, he's like, give to the Romans what the Romans require. I don't, I'm not here for that. I don't care about that. Amen? It was the Jews who cared about the politics of the day, not Jesus. What Jesus cared about was you. What Jesus cared about was you. 
What Jesus cared about were the people who needed a touch from heaven. Amen? And, and here's the reality. We can get lost in this social media world of today, and we can get lost in all of the crap of today and completely lose ourselves and completely live in the pain of this world and miss, completely miss, the purpose of Jesus for our lives. Amen? We'll look, at, we'll look at church and we'll think it's boring. We'll look at, we'll look at youth group and think, ah, it's not cool. We'll look at, at, at Sunday school and, and we'll look at VBS and everything else and we'll think it's traditional. I mean, I don't like the, I don't like the phrase VBS because I think it's, it's, it's old school. It doesn't really, uh, I think, uh, approach what we're trying to do here. I'd, I'd like to call it Adventure Week or something like that. But no one understands what Adventure Week is, so we call it VBS so they know what it is. Then we just try to create the adventure when they get here. Amen? So the reality is we are constantly figuring out how to orchestrate the power of Jesus into people's lives against everything, and I do mean everything, that the world is putting in people's lives every day. Amen? Because as we said last week, amen, the more the world puts in our life, the more the world puts in our head, and the more we're absorbed into it to where we refute the things of Jesus, the more destroyed we are. The more destroyed we are already. The more God can, now God can save us from a multitude of sins, right? But sometimes his ability to save us is squashed or quenched by our inability to see who he is, amen? It's why Satan puts all this garbage in our, in our heart and in our minds every day. It's why we can't even pull away from it in the times that we're meant to be hearing what God wants to do for our life. Because why? We're chained. We're chained and we're bound to the things of this world. And it holds our life. And, it, and, and the enemy laughs at you. The enemy laughs at you and says, Ha ha, I got you. And I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy you. And I'm going to make sure you're not God's. And see, this is where we are. This is what's going on. The enemy for us is mocking us and laughing us, but it was the Jews doing that to Jesus now, seeking to kill him. Right? And the followers are now starting to be moved in their heart and be moved in, in their, their duties and be moved in the things that they see and they think about Jesus. So... That brings us to, to John chapter 12. And, and I think it's important that we notice how quickly this all moved and how quickly this all changed. And in John chapter 12, it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Understood. Understand first, how many things did we read leading up to this moment where we said that Jesus kind of snuck out, right? Jesus kind of snuck out because it wasn't time for him yet, right? He would do this miracle. He would have this, this incredible moment where he, he did something incredible, and, and it, would, it would frustrate and irritate the Jews, right? But he knew it wasn't time yet, so he just kind of, he kind of snuck out and hid himself from the Jews. Not the people. Never hid himself from the people, but he hid himself from the Jews, right? Everything else. He's not hiding anymore. 
He's not hiding anymore. He walks right back into Bethany, the very place where they decided they were going to kill him, the very place where he raised Lazarus and said, hey, I'm here. Right? I don't know if he literally said, hey, I'm here. But he walked in, didn't sneak in. He walked in, and he walked into their house and had dinner. Amen? There comes a time in our lives that we have to confront our demons. There comes a time in our lives that we have to confront the things that hell has sent to destroy us. Amen? And here's the reality. Ain't none of us tough enough to do that ourselves. Ain't none of us strong enough to do that ourselves. Ain't none of us anointed enough to do that ourselves. The only way we confront our demons is through the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. The power and the glory of Jesus Christ has conquered hell. It has conquered the enemy. Amen. And when we bring that power and glory into those conversations with us, Hell already knows it's defeated. The, the real question is, is do you know that you have the victory? Do you know that through Jesus Christ, you have power and you have hope and you have promise, but without it, you're easily defeated in the spiritual warfare that is going on for your life. Amen. You can win in the world. There's hundreds of people winning in the world and, and still going to split hell wide open. Amen? And that's okay. It's not okay for them. Amen? But when it comes to you, you have to make a decision to not be drawn into the same things they're drawn into. You have to make the decision to choose Jesus. And that's what's about to happen. Martha's serving... But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Verse 3, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was this ointment not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my bearing hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, see he's not hiding, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. This can be a dangerous life. This can be a dangerous life. Amen? And I, I believe we're entering into days that are going to be really dangerous. Amen? And, and your choice of the glory and the power of God is going to determine your ability to win in these days. Amen? Because by that reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So, a couple things to clarify. We have read a story where Mary comes to Simon's house anoints the feet of Jesus, 
and, and weeps and washes his feet with her tears and, and dries them with her hair. These are not the same stories. Some expositors, some theologians will tell you that they are, but two key differences. This was six days before the Passover. The story in Simon's house was three days before the Passover. Amen? Here she gives a pound of ointment that she anoints his feet with. On, in Simon's house, she pours the whole bottle on his feet. Amen? So, And there, there's more, but I'm going to leave it at that. Amen? So just, just enough proof to give you that these are not the two same moments. Amen? But it's significant. It's significant that we understand that they aren't the same moment because for some reason, Mary came to Jesus. And I believe her intentions in this moment were pure. I believe in, 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 her, in this moment, she wanted to endear herself to Jesus. In this moment, she wanted to say to everyone, you have answered my prayer. You raised my brother. I know you're him. I know you're holy. I claim you. And so here I am. I'm anointing your feet, and I am drying it with my hair. The most humble act I, I could think of someone doing. Amen? I guarantee you, if I ask the ladies in this church, Amen? And, and maybe Isaac, because he has long hair. But, but if I asked the ladies in this church to wash my feet and dry it with their long hair, they'd be like, you're crazy. And here's this. I agree with them because feet are gross. Right? Feet are gross. So I can't imagine a more humble act than for someone to come to the feet of Jesus and say to him, I'm yours. I'm yours. I am, I am bestowing the best I have on you. I'm anointing your feet. I'm drying it with my hair. And I am claiming you as my Lord in this moment. Amen? So let me ask you a question. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not picking on Mary, so don't think that. We're going somewhere. Why didn't she pour the whole thing out here? Why did it take till three days later to pour the whole thing out? Amen? Sometimes in our life, we want Jesus, but we're scared. Sometimes we want Jesus, but we hold on to things. Sometimes we want Jesus, but just like the Jews not willing to sacrifice their place or their country, sometimes we want Jesus, but we want to hold on to this because we kind of like it. Amen? And, and if you know anything about the, this oil that she was anointing with, it was something that women used for their wedding night. Amen? So, so in, in holding on to this, she was saying, I choose Jesus, but I might get a husband someday. I choose Jesus, but there might be something special he's got for me, so I'm going to hold this part back. I'm going to give him a third, amen, and I'm going to save that two-thirds for my wedding night because I want to please my husband, amen? Well, here, here's a reality check for all of us. When we give everything we have to Jesus, he will supply the husband. 
No, y'all not listening to me. Grant's listening to me. Anybody else? Hey, man, when we give everything to Jesus, when we lay everything at his feet, when we pour out everything of value to us, and we say to Jesus, I am trusting you from here on. I'm not looking to myself. I'm not looking to the world. Am I going to work tomorrow? Absolutely. Don't say the preacher told you not to go to work. Amen. Just because you're lazy. Right? Am I going to work tomorrow? Absolutely. But just like TJ said, as I'm going to work, I'm going to thank God to give me a paycheck. I'm going to thank God to provide for my family. I'm going to thank God that I get to go home and eat pinto beans and potatoes tonight because God put it in the bank. Amen? Some of us got a steak mentality and and a pinto and, and potato work ethic. Amen? And here's the reality. You're never going to get the steak from Jesus until you're willing to accept and give praise for the pintos and potatoes. Boy grew up on pintos and potatoes. Amen? Because a mom worked three and four jobs just to make sure the bills were paid. Amen? And I was thankful for them. Never went hungry. I didn't eat what everybody else was eating. But I never went hungry. And most important, I never went without love. Amen? I didn't have a lot of time with mom because she was off working all those jobs, paying our bills and making sure that we made it as a single mom. Amen? But there wasn't a minute that I wasn't with her that I didn't know that it was for me. And that I didn't know that she was making the sacrifices to ensure that we made it and that we overcame and that we did the things that society says we couldn't do. Amen? The only thing I regret is she went to an early grave and I didn't get to give back on the level that I had hoped to one day. But the reality for us is this, friends. We have to come to a place in our life, not our, not our friends' lives, not anyone else's life, but in our life. We have to come to a place in our life where we say, I'm pouring the whole thing out. I'm pouring the whole thing out, and I'm trusting Jesus for what's next. I've given, I've given you our testimony, amen? I didn't expect a wife. I didn't expect kids because I thought I had blown it by being a jerk for all of those years. And so I committed myself to this word. When I got serious with Jesus, when I poured everything out to him, I poured into this. This was my life. This was going to be my life. I was, I was chained to this the same as I was chained to hell for a number of years, and, and this was going to be my life. He chose, he chose to work Sam and the boys into that picture. Amen. And I praise him for it and I worship him for it. Amen. Because it wasn't something Jay did. It was something he did. Amen. Just like I said with Mary. Amen. Here's, here's a third of the ointment because I'm going to hold on to it for, for that husband. That, that I think I'm going to be blessed with. See, we'll, we'll even play tricks in our mind and tricks in our words, right? If I hold on to this, it means God's going to give me that husband. Amen? So Mary just poured out a third, and then three days later was moved to pour it all out. Amen? And so we need to understand, friends, that we need to kiss, quit giving God a little bit. We need to quit giving God 
a little bit of us. Amen. I went to church. Praise God. I, I, I went to church and I stomped my foot a little bit. Man, I was moved. Right? That's worship. Amen. I was feeling Jesus. No, maybe you were feeling emotion. Like the writer of that song that had to repent from it. Amen. Because I don't, I don't see you down on your knees. I don't see you rubbing nobody's feet with your hair. And I certainly don't see you pouring out your ointment. Right? We're being figurative. Right? And that's our challenge. Because here's the reality. Amen? What we're getting ready to read next, and maybe we'll get into it this morning and maybe we won't, but what we're getting, to, to re- getting ready to read next in John chapter 12, to me, is, is the greatest blasphemy in Scripture. To me, it is, it is the greatest moment in Scripture where man truly exposes himself. It's the triumphal entry of Jesus. Amen? And I know the prophecy. I know the prophecy. And I know the people came and and they poured it out. They laid down the palm leaves and they laid down their coats. They took literally the things off of their back and laid it down for Jesus to walk in on. And they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. We're saved. We're saved. But in their hearts, they only wanted to be saved from Rome. In their hearts, they only wanted to be saved from, from religious oppression. In their hearts, they only wanted to be saved from the things of this world that had afflicted them, that had brought them pain, that had brought them anger, and had brought them a life that wasn't something they were happy about. Because they thought Jesus was the one who was going to slap Rome and put his thumb on the, on the elders in the synagogue, they worshipped him. And a week later, cried crucify. This is what we're getting ready to step into in the Gospel of John. We're getting ready to step into that place where there's great separation in those who follow Christ, in those who pour everything they've got into Christ, and those who are only in it for themselves. And when that doesn't look promising, they turn on him in a second. You see, the difference with that is When we cast our faith on the Lord, and we pour out our bottle of ointment on the Lord, and we humble ourselves, and we say, Lord, I am denying myself completely. I'm taking myself out of the equation. I am saying that I don't care about the world story for Jay Mace anymore. I don't care about that because I'm choosing to make Jay Mace's story all about Jesus Christ. From this moment forward, I want everything said about me to be about you. And nothing else. And it means giving stuff up. It means turning things off. It means eliminating things 
so that you can come into the full presence and the full glory of him. And here's, here's what I have learned through that process. If he wants me to have a godly wife, he'll give me a godly wife. If he wants me to have godly kids, he'll give me godly kids. If he wants them to have godly homes, he'll give them godly homes. I have learned through saying that Jesus, I am yours, that he will place in my hands what he has for me. Instead of me running out and putting things in my lap that don't belong there. Amen? And by running out and allowing the world to be two-thirds of who I am, I'm continuing in my destruction. Amen? I am continuing in, in, in the pain and the frustration and the anger of this life. Because I'm choosing to only give him a third. So somewhere in three days, Mary went from saying... You mean this much to me, Jesus, because I'm hanging on to this for, for something that might be greater. And I'll, I'll praise you for it when it comes, but I'm holding on to this. Somewhere in three days, she understood, and somewhere in three days, she got a hold of something, amen, that made her realize, if I get none of the dream... If I get none of the, the things that I was told I would grow up and be, if I get none of the things I was promised by people who can't keep promises, then that's okay as long as I have you, Lord. That's okay. Whew. That's okay as long as I have you, so here it all is. Here's the whole bottle. Forgive me for not pouring it all out before because here is my everything. And I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. I choose you. I choose you. I don't care what you do with Rome. I choose you. I don't care what you do with religion. I choose you. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what my home looks like. I, I choose you. I don't care which job it is you give me. I choose you. Amen? Amen. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what car I drive. I choose you. Amen? I shared that story with you once where I, I did a really dumb thing and bought a truck I should have never bought. Amen? It's the last new thing I've ever bought because I realized that it just didn't matter. Amen. And I crippled my family because I made a choice that, that, wasn't, that was more about me than it was about God. So I just kept choosing things and finding things in my life that I had done for me. And I kept giving them back to God. Amen. And the more we deny ourselves and the more we bring ourselves to tear our places down, and, and set them at the feet of Jesus, here's, here's, here's the reality, amen? And, and a lot of us have a hard time getting, getting through the rough spots to get here, amen? Because we get so far into the rough spots with every intention that I'm gonna be sold out for Jesus, but it starts getting a little bit hard, so you know what? I'm just gonna pick up my bottle. 
I'm just going to pick up my bottle and I'll go get some new ointment and put in it and I'm just going to set it on the shelf and save it. Amen. For what I want. For what I'm working for. For what I'm striving for. Amen. And what we all need to understand is that if we keep trusting, if we keep believing, if we keep knowing in our heart that no matter how rough this is or how difficult this is or how bad the day is, Jesus is with me and Jesus will get me through it and Jesus has promised blessing on the other side. Amen? But understand this. A lot of times, blessing doesn't come to us because we're not willing to walk with Jesus. A lot of times, blessing doesn't come to us because we can't make the hard choice. We're not strong enough to say no to the temptations, and we're not strong enough to say, I want all of Jesus. And I'm willing to make the sacrifice and I'm willing to make the choices and I'm willing to make the decisions in my life that choose Jesus and I'm willing to say no to everything else. Amen? I, I, I just thought this the other day. Our, our company, we're, we're really starting to see some growth. Amen? And I can't help but believe that the company is getting blessed because I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen? And, and you say, well, that really has nothing to do with the company. No, it really doesn't. And I'm sure if I, if I weren't there tomorrow, I'm sure they would find a way to keep going without me. I'm not foolish enough to believe that it's all about me. But here's what I understand. I understand that Jesus comes first to me, and, and I work towards things, and I have the conversations that I have, and I talk to the people in such a way that Jesus is with me when I do it, and because of that, God blesses me and ultimately blesses the company. Amen? The years when I wasn't pastoring and the years I wasn't walking in my calling, amen, it was a little rougher than that. Amen? But here's what I've also found, is every time, every time we start walking in our calling, crap happens. Amen? Things come up, distractions come up, frustrations come up, internet quits working, amen? Because Satan is doing everything he can to distract us and everything he can to point us back to the world. Oh, let me just make Preacher Boy mad. And I'm 54 years old, I'm not really Preacher Boy anymore, but that's what people used to call me years ago because I accepted my calling young and, and did a lot of preaching young and, and everything else. But let me, let me just make Preacher Boy mad. We'll see how holy he is. We'll see, how, we'll see how tuned in he is. We'll see how empty his anointing bottle is. Amen? Well, guess what, Satan? I'm still preaching this morning. I didn't let the internet ruin my day. Amen. And I am still rightly dividing the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ that it would change lives in this place. Amen. Amen? Why? Because I have poured it all out on Jesus. I have poured it all out a long time ago on Jesus. Am I perfect? No. And listen, there, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of games played out in this world. 
Nobody's perfect. Amen. You can't judge me unless you've walked in my footsteps. Now, sometimes we do some pretty stupid stuff in front of the whole world, and the whole world sees it and knows it. That makes it very easy to judge you. Hmm. Sometimes we ruin our own testimony. Sometimes we're perceived the way we're perceived because of the things we say and do. And then we wonder why no one wants to receive our Jesus talk. Amen? You're either all in or you're not. Your anointing bottle is either empty or it's not. You're either a third of the way in at six days or you're all the way in at three days. Why not be all the way in at six days? Amen? I'm not detracting from what Mary did here. It's a beautiful thing. She did it in her home. She did it in the presence of her friends. She did it in a comfortable place. Amen? Three days later, she did it in Simon's house, who would have just as soon kicked dirt all over her and told everyone who she is and what she is. Amen? And she didn't care. Amen? Sometimes it's comfortable for us in our surroundings. Sometimes it's comfortable for us amongst our peers to, to do the anointed thing. Amen? You walk into the enemy's house and do the anointed thing. You walk into the enemy's house and pour out your bottle on Jesus. Amen? And it's not so easy. Amen? So I'm not beating up the small steps. Sometimes we have to pour out a third to get to the two-thirds. Sometimes we need that moment where we turn to Jesus and we say, Jesus, it's about you now. For us to realize, oh, you know what? I haven't really made it all about him. So I need to go back to the box and pull out the oil and find him wherever he is and barge in and pour it all out. Amen? And if you're at that six-week stage in your spiritual life, bravo. Bravo. I am, I am your biggest cheerleader. I got your back. I will hold you up. I will defend you. And you start walking and murking around in a life of sin and expect me to defend you, that ain't happening. It's not happening. Amen? But if you're at that one-third point where you're walking in the right direction and you're saying and doing the right things and you're, you're peeling off the things of this world and the things of this flesh because you're trying to get a hold of the fullness of His glory, amen, and, and you're starting a third of the way in and then you're realizing, oh, wait, there's more, amen. Oh, wait, you, you, mean, you mean I can have that too? Oh, oh wait, you, you'll reveal what to me? Oh, wait, you'll show me what? Oh, wait, you'll do what in my life? Amen? Why am I just right here? Amen? So it's okay if you're only a third of the way in. Because the goal... We said at the beginning of this series, 
The goal is to get to Pentecost. The goal is to walk out of the upper room on fire. Hmm? Not, not just warm. Amen. Lukewarm gets spit out. Amen. What's that say? What's that say? If I'm lukewarm, he's going to puke me out. Right? A third of the way in, amen, in, in growth and in understanding is okay. A third of the way in because you just ain't got the guts to go further is lukewarm. There's a difference. There's a difference. A third of the way in because you're trying to deny yourself and fully get to your cross and fully get to Jesus is okay. A third of the way in because you want to control and manipulate things is lukewarm. Are we clear? Yeah. Are we clear? I don't want you leaving here thinking a third of the way is okay if you're playing games. Amen. A third of the way is okay if you're trying to get to what's next. Amen. There's a difference. Amen. Mary wanted Jesus, so she thought this was how to get there. And only a few days later, she realized, no, I got to pour it all out. I got to give him everything. If he wants me to have everything else, he'll give it to me, and I'll praise him for it. I'll worship him for it, and I'll be able to tell everybody that those are my blessings. Those are my blessings. Amen? I don't even call Sam my wife most of the time because she's my blessing. Amen? I didn't deserve it. I didn't. But seven years, seven years of selling out to Jesus, seven years of pouring out my oil, Seven years of saying, you are the all in all to me. He chose to bless me. And then he poured it on because she got pregnant three months in, right? He just started pouring out. He just started pouring out the blessings at that point. Amen. And we got Luke. And, and almost three years later, we got Isaac. And, and almost lost her and Isaac both in that process. But again, a blessing. The hand of God did what doctors probably say shouldn't have done. Amen. So I'm here to tell you, you sell out to him. And it might take seven years. It might not take three days. It might take seven years. But you sell out to him his blessing for you is in his hand. And he chooses he chooses to give it to you when you have denied yourself and you've taken up your cross and you're following him. Amen? If you're not there, don't get grumpy when the blessings don't follow. Amen? Because he's wanting you to step into a whole new level of glory. And then he'll do the things that you don't see coming. I forgot to turn my ringer off up there. Sorry. Then he'll give you the things you don't see coming. Amen. Like the blessing we received last week. I didn't see that coming from a million miles. Amen. I didn't see a wife coming from a million miles away. Amen. The whole church was like about time. And, and, and I'm like, whatever. I'm focused on Jesus over here. This just happened. Right. Now, to God, no, it didn't just happen. He was working it together for my good all along. Amen? 
And had, I, and had I grabbed hold of the world anywhere along the way, had I picked up my chains anywhere along the way, he'd have been like, you don't deserve it, Jay. No, I'm, I'm pulling it back. You're not, it's, it was out there. Seven years in, I, I had this for you, but no, you picked up the chains again, so I'm not blessing you with it. The point this morning, friends, is be all in for Jesus. Pour out your bottle. Pour out the fullness of who you are and who you were that he might make you who you can be. Amen? And don't wait three days or seven years. Choose him completely. Choose him over the world. Be at church. Be at Bible study. Be at youth group. Be at Bible school. Be at the things that drag you closer to God. Amen? Somebody posted a thing this week. Don't even know who it was. But I think, I think one of y'all shared it, and that's how I was able to see it. But, but they shared a thing where it said, take your kids to church. If it means 436 goldfish, take your kids to church. If it means them going to sleep in the pew, take your kids to church. If it means this, if it means that, take your kids to church. Amen? I'll never forget. I'll never forget this moment. Luke was, I don't know, probably Ezra's age, Holden's age, maybe a little bit older than that. And, and I'm standing there as pastor talking with uh, someone after church. And, um, and it was pretty serious. It was pretty intense. But in the corner of my eyes, a dad, I saw him running around, climbing up on the pews and doing different things like that. And I'm not sure where Sam was at that moment, but I'm thinking, this has got to stop, right? But, but I'm engaged here, so I can't just stop this and, and handle that. And finally, he got close enough to me where I could reach down and grab him. And I grabbed him, and I said, you stop running in church. And I came back up, and I held on to him, and I, and I came back up to, to re-engage into the conversation. And all of a sudden, I feel this blood-curdling pain on my ankle. And I'm like, what in the world was that? I mean, almost take you to your knee kind of pain. And I turn and look, and little Miss Dorothy Kirk had, had stood up off her cane long enough to take that cane and whack me in the ankle with it. And when I turned and looked at her, she says, you quit complaining about that child running in God's house. Maybe it's his way of worshiping that he can run. This coming from a woman who I had never known outside of walking on a cane. And, and I was just kind of like, oh. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, I don't even know how to re-engage in this conversation, right, after that. Now, don't get me wrong. We shouldn't allow our, our kids to be unruly. Amen. We shouldn't be unruly. That's Bible. We shouldn't be unruly in the house of the Lord. I'm not saying let them destroy the place. But I'm saying if your kid wants to run up and down this aisle, amen, and, and enjoy their blessings in the house of God, don't be so quick to say no. I was preaching a revival way out in Clinton and up on some hill in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it was literally a go to the end of the world, turn left kind of place. And, and it was standing room only. I mean, there was everybody in every pew and the men were all lined around the walls and this and that and the other. And there was this little boy. 
And he had somehow wiggled his way into the aisle. And, and whatever I was doing with preaching, as you all know, I'm, I'm, I make a lot of motions with my hands and, and everything else like that when I'm preaching and this and that and the other. But if I stomped my foot, he stood back there and stomped his foot. If I shook my hand, he shook his hand and this and that and the other. And at about that time, he had been doing it for like a couple of minutes. And about that time, the grandmother noticed it. Mom was just like, yeah, whatever. He ain't wallering me, right? But, but grandmother noticed it. Right? And, and she looks over and immediately horror filled her face. Right? And she's like shoving everyone, get him. Right? I could read her lips. I'm preaching 90 miles a minute, but I could read her lips and everything else. The next thing I know, this Congress is like after this kid to get him and bring him back in and shove goldfish in his mouth and get him to stop. Right? That's what I was going to write. All of a sudden, in the middle of my, I didn't even give thought to this. And afterwards, I'm thinking, oh, I'm dead, right? But in the middle of preaching, I stop and I say, stop. And at that point, I'm kind of like, what are you doing? Because that's weird, right? It just happened. I was like, stop. And everyone stops and looks. And the little boy's like, you know, he's, he's, he's all in the mocking stage, right? And, and everything else. And I said, Maybe God's calling this child to preach and you're getting ready to tell him no. And years from now, all he's going to remember is you saying him no rather than what God's sowing into his life right now. He's fine. I'm fine. Let him be. And, and you know, that's, that's a preaching moment. When, when inside, you know, there's like three things going on up here, right? Because you, you got God telling you this. You're saying, really, God, to him while this is going on? And then it's what comes out. And so it was in one of those moments, I'm looking at him, and he's like, you know you just signed my death wish, and I'm out here in the middle of nowhere where they can bury me, and no one ever going to find me, right? And that just happened, right? That little boy's a youth pastor in Virginia right now. You see, God sees what's out there. His glory and his power is capable of things we can't imagine. I got a Facebook friend request, and I accept most Facebook friend requests until I'm Someone proves that they don't need to be my Facebook friend. And then I, usually I just unfollow them so I don't see the stuff and everything else because as a pastor, I want to I be available where I can be. And, and unfortunately, social media is how people interact these days. But um, so I accept most friend requests. And um, I got this friend request. And um, I didn't recognize the name or anything else. Saw that, you know, I looked at the about information and saw that it was somebody in Virginia. And, uh, you know, I've, I've ministered to a lot of youth groups over the years and different things. And I figured, well, he's probably right about that age. So, all right. And I accepted it. Almost immediately, I get a, I get a message. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. It's, you know, because that's, that's how it usually works and everything else. And, and he says, I hope you remember me. You know, ding, I hope you remember me. And I'm thinking, this sounds sketchy, Right? wouldn't you? Right? And everything else. And he said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the exact words, but he said, I don't actually remember you, but I remember a story where you told my parents to leave me alone while I was standing in the middle of a church row preaching 
along with you while, during a revival. And he said, my family tells me that story over and over and over again. And I thought you might like to know that I just accepted the position to be youth pastor at some church in Virginia. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> right? Wow. God is capable of far more, far more than we can fathom in our little minds and in our little hearts. And when we only give him a third, he can only work with that third. But when we give him everything, He can do incredible, amazing youth pastor in Virginia kind of things. Amen. I have seen the blessings in my life. I've seen the blessings in my work. I have seen the blessings in people I'm just associated with lives. I have seen blessings like this in, in countless occasions because we chose to give him everything. We chose to pour out the whole bottle and just choose Jesus. So friends, the point this morning, I, I think I've made it abundantly clear, but just to sum up, the point this morning is to choose Jesus with everything you've got. Hold nothing back. Because as long as you're holding back, the world holds on to you. And the world will continue to destroy you. But when you choose him with everything, the possibilities truly are endless. Amen. Let's stand and sing.